Welcome to the Fair Chase Podcast. It's like, yeah, it's going to be physically it's hard, suck, but it's also like the best. Later on, that's the story you tell. I got a new strategy. It's, you just go kind of lick your finger a little bit like this. Aim high, play the wind. And then you aim high, you play the wind. It's a new aiming technique that I'm working on. You brought this up. Yeah. It's because you had target panic so bad. Yeah, I didn't have it so bad. Before we jump into this episode, we have to thank a few companies that make this show possible. First up, Vortex Optics. We run their binoculars, spotting scopes, and uh, a lot of their clothes in their Vortex wear line. Quality hoodies. sweaters and hoodies, t-shirts, hats. Yep. You uh, can save yourself 20% on that stuff. Buy. Ooh, it's a new code. The code TFC20. Check them out. Next up, Trophy Line. Trophy Line. No secret, we are saddle guys. We like to hunt in saddles, make the jokes if you want, but yep. they're super light, super effective, and we're big fans of Trophy Line. This year we're going to be running the Mission Platform or the EDP Platform, the EDP. depending, and uh, running the Covert Light. Yeah. Nice and light saddle. Lots of good adjustability on that. I feel comfortable walking with that thing out in the woods. Go yep. check this thing out. Use the code TFC10 to save yourself 10% on the next purchase. Next up, Prime. The bow that got me to switch back. I think I feel like I got you to switch back. You did, but but I like. But it was it's a big because part. of Prime shootability, shooting your bow, their accuracy. Uh, we're big fans of Prime. They're Michigan company. Jared's shooting the Nexus Four. Four. I'm shooting the Nexus Two this year. Go check them out. G5Prime.com. We uh, we're big GPS map users on our phone. Um, I get tend to get lost a lot, and Jared you do tend to get lost. A lot. Jared can't always be next to me. When you don't have Jared with you, you can have a little Jared in your pocket. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> this is an awesome platform. We know the guys. They're local here in Grand Rapids. And you can actually download other apps, stand locations, plot locations, whatever pins that you have, you can download them onto the HuntWise platform. So you're not, you can, give you it just, a try. You can just hit the ground. And you're not losing your research. Yeah. So go check this app out, HuntWise.com. You know, I was actually asked this weekend if we weren't partnered with Vector and like I had to shoot a different arrow would I shoot vectors? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I said, yes, of course. Yeah. I love them. I shoot extremely accurate with them. I've never broken one. Yeah. And the sweet thing was is you pretty much just tell Isaac and the guys over there your draw length, draw weight, and I think your tip weight. Your tip weight, and they have a – And then you customize the whole thing. And you they can do it right tip, online. cut, and everything. You don't have to mess with the bow shop or anything like that. Check these guys out, vectorcustomshop.com. For 10% off your order at checkout, use TFC10. Good luck out there. Shoot straight. Welcome to another episode of the Fair Chase podcast. Uh, today we have Eric Schnell with us. Uh, am I saying that right? Yes. Schnell? Yeah. Okay. Um, from the National Deer Association, Michigan chapter. What's your role at, at the National Deer Association? I'm, I'm the state president. I'm a volunteer. I've been in this role for about seven years. Uh, so most of basically the entire time I've been president, we've been fighting chronic wasting disease in the state and has taken up a lot of my time. Yeah, you you and I got connected um, kind of in association with chronic waste and disease in the roundabout way. Uh, but we got talking about APR zones and, and some of the changes that Michigan has had. And I wanted to bring you on to talk about that today. Uh, so prior to jumping into that, um, do you mind taking a minute to tell everybody what the National Deer Association, the NDA is and, and what you guys do? Sure. We're a nationwide organization. Basically, anywhere in the whitetail world that you find whitetails, you'll, you'll find National Deer Association branches. So we're all over the country. We were formed in 1987 by deer, some deer biologists that mm -hmm. uh, uh, felt 
that uh, there was a need for an association to represent deer and deer hunters, uh, utilizing quality deer management principles as a kind of a bedrock for what our organization does. Sure. And uh, we've evolved over the years. So we were the quality deer management association for most of our history. We spun off a few years ago a, a National Deer Alliance, which was uh, not just the QDMA, but uh, also a number of other um, deer-related organizations as well um, that uh, went along separately for a few years. And then yeah. uh, uh, back uh, in 2020, we uh, combined the two organizations again into the what we are now calling the National Deer Association. Uh, all volunteer run, are there, there are employees too? We do have employees. We are a, a four-star uh, charity navigator, uh, so top-rated charity navigator organization, yep. spending the vast majority of our money on our mission. Uh, but we do have some uh, professionals in organization, and they're biologists, which is, I think, gives us a, a kind of a different yeah. cut on things. We're much more science-oriented and biology-oriented than many other conservation organizations. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and, and what what is your mission? What what's your what's your central goal at, Q, uh, at NDA? I'm going to say QDM. <laughs> don't put me on QDA. the spot like that. I don't have hey. that handy. You can you can just I, say like a thirty-second uh, you know I'll, elevator. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll give you the the uh, what we've been actually working on one at our at the state level here, sure. um, in addition to the national of folks. But our our goal simply is to uh, unite deer hunters from all walks of life who love deer and love the wild places that deer live, um, and uh, so we're united for deer. And we focus on advocacy. We focus on habitat, hunter education bringing new hunters in, so hunter recruitment, reactivation, retention activities, uh, those are the things that we try to do. And I think there's a big need for that in the, the deer world right now. Yeah. Uh, we need to apply science. We need to uh, uh, get people organized and, uh, and really push. We're, we're under a number of different threats. Hunting under is under a number of different threats right yeah. now, and, and our deer herd is as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it sounds like the, the health of, of the deer herd is your, your aim. And part of uh, maintaining that health is, is encouraging people to hunt. You mentioned retention, re-engagement. What's the other R? Reactivation. Reactivation. So, so folks that may have gotten away from hunting, you see that a lot with younger people. They go off, start the work into the work world and they get busy with having kids and jobs. You just find James, you have frozen for me. Now, now you're moving again. Okay, excellent. I can hear you. You're starting to catch up now too. Um, that's excellent. You know, I've I've been very well familiar with um, you guys for a long time. Uh, my uncle actually, who uh, is the one kind of who introduced me to quality deer management and, and some of the ideas behind it. And so, from a fairly young age, I knew of you guys. Uh, I mean, the work you did. We had the signs and the the posters. Let them go so we can grow. All that stuff. Uh, was uh, around me uh, growing up. So it's cool to see things are moving forward and you guys are continuing that work. Um, so I want to dive into APR zones today, but prior to that, I, I want to cover with you what, what, a nat like a, what a naturally healthy herd looks like. A, Michi a, a, a herd of deer, and we'll just say particularly in Michigan, you're from Michigan, but what, what would that, what constitutes a healthy herd of deer? Well, if we, well there's been a fair amount of science about this you know, recently searching early days of deer looking at fossils and trying to extrapolate the you know what populations were like and it turns out a, a very natural deer herd would be 
uh, a ratio of males and females that are is pretty close. They, okay. uh, uh, ordinarily, it's not a it's not like it's not like elk or some other cervids where you've got many uh, females in a harem for a single male. Um, it's a you know it's a close match in terms of sex ratios. And then what you see with age is that. Uh, you know, you start with a cohort of fawns, uh, and they're even in terms of their sex, um, you know, sex ratio in most studies anyway, they've come out about the same. And then mm-hmm. there is, you know, mortality each year. So what you see is, and we call this a stage structure as well, you see those cohorts shrink each year as the, uh, as the animals uh, die from different causes. Sure. So uh, the older cohorts will have fewer deer than the younger cohorts of deer, but fairly well matched in between the males and the females. So you want a, a match, a match. Uh, and I would get what, what should age structure, age structure look like? Should it be, you know, evenly distributed amongst kind of all the different types of eggs, age brackets? I'm having a hard time saying age, age brackets, uh, or is it, you want one heavier, you want more younger deer, more older deer? What, what does that look like? Well, you're going to see, you know, if you're, if we're striving for something that's like a, what a natural deer herd would look like, you'd have, yeah. you know, the fawns and yearlings would outnumber the other age classes, but each year they would shrink. So you, sure. you're two and you'd have fewer two and a halfs and then even fewer three and a halfs and four and a halfs and five and a halfs. And um, so that would be a very natural situation that isn't the real world and the vast majority of the whitetails range and certainly isn't the real world world in Michigan, unfortunately, sure. um, no. where we've got a very, we've got a very heavy harvest of very young bucks and, and we're not harvesting near enough does. We can dig into that uh, a yeah. little bit. Um, well, let's yeah, start with, let's like. start with that. Why, why, why do people shoot young bucks? Why is that? If we know that you, everybody wants to shoot a big one, uh, right. Or, or that's at least, I say everybody wants to, that's like kind of the goal. Like you go out and you shoot a mature large deer. Why, why are, why are we having a hard time convincing people to do that? I think it's a cultural issue. We don't have the quite as big a challenge in other States as uh, we do in Michigan. We lag other States quite a bit in terms of our doe harvest. And we've been uh, lagging in terms of, you know, uh, adjusting or getting away from harvesting yearling bucks. So it's a yeah. cultural issue in our state and i have got the numbers handy i can dig into them for you if you'd like but uh we just haven't been doing a good job with it it's i gotta get my buck and i can't tell you over the years how often i've had people tell me boy i sat there in my stand and i watched doe after doe come out into that field and uh, you know i hadn't seen i haven't seen a buck for a couple of days now and you know finally that four point came out so i shot him <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah and that's right. uh you know, that's, that, that's, that's kind of the, the, the mindset. And, you know, you have to be careful um, about uh, criticizing that per se. I mean, that's a culture that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's where we sometimes get into problems as people will uh, criticize or belittle somebody for the animal that they shot. So we've got to be real careful about that. I don't want to come across that way, but, yeah. um, you know, well, cum- cumulatively, if everybody does that, and then of course there's the mindset of well if i don't shoot it we've got a lot of hunters in michigan that's one of our i think one of one of the great things about michigan and also one of the challenges and so there's a mindset also if i don't get that buck he's going to walk across the fence line or somebody else here in this patch of public land is going to shoot it 
And there's a yeah. lot of truth to that. That's happened to me many, many times. Me I've let a nice little buck go and it gets, it gets shot. So, so, I mean, there's truth to it. it it's, a, but that's also a mindset issue um, that we've got to get over and other States, they just don't have that problem. And I, I should say, you know, I'm going to talk a lot about APRs in Michigan, but our official position at the National Deer Association is we are not necessarily for APRs. In many cases, we have conditions, basically, right. that, that uh, we feel are important. Um, and one of them has got to be there should be a biological reason for it. And we certainly don't want to have a negative biological impact. So, sure. um, you know, in, in, in Michigan, where you've got this unbalanced harvest, and we'll get on all these reasons that makes for a very it makes APRs a positive thing. The other big thing that's important with APRs is that you have a majority of hunters supporting them. And in Michigan, we've had that majority support. Every survey the DNR has done since 2012, we've had clear majority support of hunters in the state. Yeah. So hunters want them um, for a variety of reasons. We are, you know, we, we've only got portions of the state with APRs at this point. Yeah, no, this, this is good. Um, and that's a good start because, you know, I wanted to talk about what a healthy herd looks like. I wanted to talk about kind of the culture behind it, but for people who are listening and, and maybe who, who don't know, APRs, what we're talking about are antler point restriction zones. So <clears throat> in a state, you're divided into different regions, uh, depending on the state, depending on and if it's by county or, or whatever. In Michigan, it's by county. And there are specific counties in the state that have um, rules that say, hey, if you're going to shoot a buck, you have to shoot at least uh, for a lot of the state, it's at least three on a side. Um, and for a while, up until this year, there were three counties in, in Michigan that said four points on the side. Uh, and two of those counties are way, where I spend a lot of my time hunting. And, and so total vested interest in this and maybe a little biased, but um, these antler point restrictions and, and Eric, as I go, correct me if I'm wrong, I spent some time talking to the DNR um, two weeks ago, but he explained it as we, we're setting up APR zones because we believe that that will be helpful in combating um, different types of diseases that are transmitted between deer. And they thought we're going to do a test run. A th I believe a three-year test run in those three counties, uh, Ionia, Montcalm, uh, and Macosta. And we're going to see what happens. Uh, we're to the end of it. They decided to not renew them this year. And so going into the 2022 fall season, there will be no antler point restrictions uh, like there were four points on a side in Ionia, in Montcalm, and Macosta County. So far, am I getting that right, Eric? Absolutely. And there were two control counties is the only thing I would add, because yep. those will probably come up. Um, so in any good scientific experiment, you need a control. And uh, those were in Nuego and Kent. Ah, my home county of Kent. Yep. Okay. So let's dive into this. So Eric, what, what did we see as a result from, from these, these, this kind of a test run of, again, a four-point on a side, that can be a small eight point buck that you, is legal to shoot. But for the most part, you get, you get to an eight point or we would call eight point in Michigan or a four by four, whatever you want to say, four on each side. Um, that's generally a, an older deer, at least two and a half years old. Is, is that probably accurate, Eric? Yes. The, the idea is that an APR, if it's properly constructed, should protect, protect the majority of yearling bucks, not all of them. Um, and it should also ensure that the majority of two and a half year old bucks are eligible for harvest. Yeah. So there's always the exceptions on either end. You've got the, 
the uh, nice little basket eight points that are year and a half. So you may even have little 10 points in our area. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and, you know, you've always got the the stories of the, you know, the two and a half year old six. And, yep. you know, that, that, so, and that's so, true. There's never a perfect regulation, but um, APRs, if they're constructed right for the region you're in, uh, that's what they do. And that's why some parts of Michigan, it's three on a side, other parts, it's four on a side. What did they find? What, what's happened since these three uh, years? The, yeah, that, that's and that's I think that gets to what's really important about this. And I think there's some national implications to this. So if you look at what's been done with chronic wasting disease up to this point, um, with all in, we've got a number of states now that have chronic wasting disease, they typically will go in. And initially, the idea is, well, let's Let's uh, kill every animal that we can in that immediate area. And we support that because the idea is if it's a new outbreak, number one, you want to test and find out if it's a new outbreak. Number two, if you can actually get all those animals that are infected um, quickly, then you can uh, potentially snuff CWD out. But if you don't, um, now you're in a whole different situation. Once it's spread over multiple county areas, you can't kill all the deer with chronic wasting disease. It's impossible. Now it's a management challenge. What's the best way to manage the deer? So there's a little more background, I guess. Yeah. But the Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies has a great report that they did on this. They kind of summed up all the science, linked it all in, and they said, well, the key thing for managing chronic wasting disease is to focus harvest on the animals that are most likely to be infected. So I'm giving you all this kind of background yeah. to the experiment here. Um, the animals most likely to be infected with chronic wasting disease are the older animals. So um, a fawn is uh, almost zero. I mean, it's a rare thing to find an infected fawn. Year and a half year old does and bucks are infected at about the same rate in uh, Montcalm. Uh, or in our in our core CWD area, it was uh, 0.98 versus 0.94. So yeah, the sure. yearling, so basically the same within statistical, uh, you know, variation, they were the same rate. Um, yep. So and that's a low rate. And then what you see, and this is true, I've looked at Wisconsin, I've looked at a number of other states that have had this for a while, you see it go up every year after that. So there's a, you know, substantial jump at two and a half. Uh, so we get, you know, one and a half year olds are low, two and a half, there's a jump that'll go up further uh, for the animals that get older than that. You, you typically see that continue to go up the older the animal gets. So um, if we're going to focus on the animals most likely to be infected, it's the older animals. The other key thing to know is bucks are about twice as likely to be infected as does in those older age classes. So we said they're about the same at a year and a half, but you get above that and you see that widen. So two and a half, there's a pretty good difference. I think it was 1.3 versus 2.0 in the okay. NRCWD area, but then it, it'll widen a little bit more. And so it's about twice and I'm simplifying sure. a bit, but um, so you immediate reaction in a lot of states is, well, we just can't have bucks, right? We got to yeah. you know, take away APRs. We've got to shoot all the bucks we can because they're, they're more, they're, more, you know, they got twice the prevalence rate. They spread it too, is what it was what I was told too. They're always cruising around during the rut, spreading their germs. Well, that's um, partially true okay. uh, during the rut. They, but if you look at the biology of a deer, they don't mate with that many deer. Um, right. So um, again, those ratios are closer. It's not like they've got a harem of does that they're, 
servicing. Um, it's the studies that have looked at that, it's you typically four or five does that they mate with. So it's not a lot. Um, the actually, uh, there's a, a study that was out not too long ago um, where they were looking at those um, percentages or the likelihood of being infected and does there's a good case to be made that does are actually the ones that are doing the most spread because they're in these maternal units, fairly yeah, good groups, fairly good sized groups. <laughs> now, I love watching deer. That's what I do most of the time. Really. Occasionally I kill one, but mostly I watch deer. Yeah. I love, I love watching deer. And uh, what do you see when you see all the, uh, that's maternal group. If they're part of the same group, they're going over, they're sniffing, sniffing, they're licking, they're, they're touching, very intimately grooming. touching each yeah. other. They're very, they're very, yeah, it's, very like delicate you know it's very gentle it's touching to watch i love watching it um you know of course if it's a different doe group then they're over trying to kick (laughs) them and and drive them away and things but um so they they uh this study looked at this and they found out that does in a where there was one infected doe in a uh, a group the rest of the does in that group were 10 times more likely to be infected than the deer in the surrounding area so um, there's a very good case to be made that vic- bucks are actually just the victims. You know, they go out and they, you know, they, uh, sounds right. They, they go to this doe group that has to be, happens to be infected. They mate with uh, an infected doe and they get it. Um, so uh, there's a, a really good case uh, there that you may, but there's more that science that needs to be done around it. So I'm trying to give you a background around yeah. all this, this whole experiment here. Um, so you got to keep that in mind. And, and if you look at Michigan, but uh, especially we have a very unbalanced harvest. So um, in, um, and I'll give for your, your listeners here, in the uh, three counties you referred to where the APR was implemented, we had only 0.78 antlerless deer harvested per antler deer um, in the years leading up to the study. Now, if you're not familiar with those numbers, um, you need to look at all of the surrounding whitetail states and yeah. uh, they're all well above one. So one so more uh, does than bucks. Yeah. Like a 1.4 in Ohio, one, 1.2 in Illinois. Um, I think 1.2 in Indiana. I mean, they're harvesting more does than bucks. And um, by doing that, you can keep uh, keep a better handle on your population density, which is considered a huge factor with chronic wasting disease as sure. well. So, and really any disease density is a, is, a, is a key part of this. So we had a problem. And uh, in the, uh, the control counties, it was 0.82 antlerless per antler. So they both okay. suck. We both, yeah. they both, they both sucked. We have very high densities of deer um, in, in our, in those areas. And uh, we, but we had real high buck harvest as well. I was talking to Chad Stewart, our elk and deer biologist back in 2018. And he said, Eric, you wouldn't believe it. You know, as a state, Michigan leads the country um, almost every year in our buck harvest per square mile. <laughs> we're, we're at uh, 3.4, uh, or we're usually around 3.4, 3.5. Last year, we we're actually at 3.9. And if you compare that to, uh, yeah, and so that's really high by itself. And that's including the UP where our deer population is incredibly low in that per square mile piece. So, uh, Chad was telling me in, in uh, the Montcalm area, he was getting 10 bucks per square mile. Now, uh, 10 bucks can, killed a year per square mile. Yeah. And uh, Holy which cow. other biologists cannot believe, but that gives you an idea of how high our densities are. And, and so if uh, you look at the uh, tw- deer report, the National Deer Association publishes a deer report every year, and it's all the stats on all the states. Um, you're looking at um, 
most of the other top whitetail states, you're looking at one or one and a half bucks per square mile. So that gives yeah, you an idea. Right. We are way up there in densities. We are superhero. <laughs> we're superheroes at killing bucks, but we suck at at uh, harvesting does. And that's a recipe for disaster. And if you've got chronic wasting disease there high densities of deer and not harvesting enough does. So that's the background on this. And that's why sure. we, we pushed for this um, back when it happened. We were big supporters. We've been big supporters throughout. We had to try something new. We couldn't just keep yeah. doing what we were doing with those kind of ratios. Um, no, you can't say not having APRs has worked in that, uh, in those areas, because it wasn't. Um, so we needed to try something different. And um, so APRs were the uh, thing we wanted to try. And the other thing we pushed real hard on was setting a, a ratio goal or setting a harvest goal. And the DNR sure. set set 1.1 was their goal. They wanted us to hit that for the three years of the study. And the commission, the Natural Resources Commission said, if you don't, we may yank the experiment early because we don't want to do any harm. If we're going to let those yearling bucks go, or at least the majority of them, we got to make sure we're harvesting more does. Fair enough. Um, and so that's kind of the background behind the experiment. We started at, uh, so you were asking, how did it turn out? Well, um, yeah. we, we started at 0.78 in those three counties with the, that got the APR. Immediately the next year, it went to 1.19. So it put us right in the league with all the other top whitetail states in terms of our antlerless harvest the very first year. For the three years, we averaged 1.15. So that's a huge accomplishment. It's yeah. uh, it's something that uh, I'm very proud of that our that our hunters did. Um, and then let's compare it to the non-APR counties. So uh, they were at 0.82 at the beginning of the experiment. Yep. And uh, they ended up at, and, and I should also say during the course of this experiment, the DNR liberalized antlerless harvest regulations they did. dramatically. You could go up to, I think we went from five up to 10 does you could take uh, legally. Um, and uh, so they were doing their best to get the <laughs> yep. more does harvested. Those non-APR counties, we're at 0.82 at the beginning. At the end, they were at 0.82. Oh, no change. Went no. You love to see that with a control group. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess. Yeah. You know, but you would expect to go up a little. Yeah. Because of the liberalization and yeah, exactly. You'd think that would help. Yeah, and and it didn't. And the other thing that's real interesting to look at is the hunter numbers. And mm. and we saw this. You know, we've got a another area that came before this experimental area, our Northwest area of Michigan. We've got 13 counties up there that have yep. APRs. I think we started them in about 2012, I believe it was. Um, and uh, we saw, we, had, we, we kind of knew what was coming um, from this, but in, we saw in that area, uh, antlerless harvest went up uh, 16%. Surrounding counties, antlerless harvest went down by about 12%. So, uh, that's DNR numbers. We've got the, yeah, got that's the their numbers, right? Yeah, that's, we've that's got their numbers. presentation uh, from 2017 on it. Um, so it was uh, pretty impressive what they're able to do. And what are those numbers in those counties? The ratio. What does that look like? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know the answer. Is that. it close to one? Or is it better than the average, or is it? I don't know. I honestly okay. don't know. Yeah. Um, and it has never been an objective up there. They haven't had the it's more of a byproduct nobody ever really emphasized it other than hey you know shoot a doe instead of that yearling buck sort of yeah thing but they um there's no big emphasis or no goal set um 
nothing. It just was a byproduct, which almost in some ways makes it an even more pure outcome. Right. Um, that wasn't the intent. So you can't, so, you know, have uh, yeah, the bias there. Yeah. Right. And, and, and uh, the other thing we saw in those counties um, that we predicted would happen in this area is that, uh, you know, there's this long-term decline in hunters that's been going on. And that is a big concern throughout the whitetail world. And uh, we, um, what we saw in the Northwest is that, um, yes, we continued to still lose hunters where we had APRs, but it was at uh, about a third the rate of the surrounding non-APR counties. And to me as a hunter, that's not a surprise. I mean, if, if you see big bucks on your deer cameras and uh, you're yeah. st- you start sharing those pictures with your buddies, you're excited to get out hunting. Yeah, you know? exactly. If you don't see big bucks on your deer cameras, you might decide, you know, although you're that football game or uh, right. you know, yeah, whatever. Not that well, going out. Yeah. yeah, it's not, you know, so this is not a surprise to me. But for, for some reason, it's always a surprise to the folks that aren't quite as avid as maybe we are. Uh, so we saw that. And then lo and behold, in the uh, this CWD area experiment, where we're especially worried about losing hunters because of CWD fears, the same thing happened. Um, we, uh, uh, is especially true in the, uh, the last year of the experiment. So people were getting pretty dang excited about the big bucks they're seeing. Yeah. And it was, uh, again, about, uh, only about a third of the rate. Um, I've got the numbers and here I can pull up if you want me to give them to you exactly, but it was, um, a big difference over the course of the three-year experiment. It was about half of the, uh, the rate of decline, but I so, think you see, see that accelerate. Yeah. yeah it's just, just as you have, you see more big bucks. Uh, I just saw one napping next up. to the road. Like I'm driving <laughs> and I was like, and it's a spot that I hunt and he's literally, it's a big buck and it's bigger than I've ever seen where this spot is. And he gets up and run, takes off. I'm like, Oh, that is, and it's in an APR zone, but it's like, man, I didn't see that a handful of years ago. So, so, okay. So just rewinding. Right. So I'm telling you about how I've seen more bucks, which for me is, I know that's not the DNR, you know, goal, but for me, that's what I want. Right. Right. Um, I'm hearing from you that, that the harvest is more, is more balanced, right? There's a more does and bucks being harvested right in line with the best whitetail states. I'm hearing it's good for hunter retention. And, uh, because people are getting excited about deer, everything seems to point to these are like a great success. Um, uh, my confusion then is, well, I, we didn't do it again. Like we pulled it off the table. It's, it should, it's not statewide. Like maybe you would hope it would be if it's working so well. Why, why did we, why is it not, why are there no APR zones in, in Ionia, Macosta and, and Montcalm right now? That's a huge frustration right now, frankly, because it's been throughout the experiment. The idea has been that uh, they would use the results of the experiment to uh, yeah. better, better manage the deer herd. And I don't think, you know, I've tried, you know, I don't think there's a deer biologist in the countries that it's going to tell you a 0.82 ratio is healthier than a 1.15. I mean, that's right. That's, that's, that's just objectively true, right? Yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's especially in an area with high densities. I mean, you know, maybe if you're an area with very low densities and you're trying to build your herd up, maybe it would be good, but the vast which was majority... initially, which was initially the, the plan, right? For like years and years and decades yeah. ago, it was shoot bucks so we can grow our deer herd back. Well, we've done that. And then some, that culture stuck around. Yeah, that's that exactly. That's, and it's stuck around in Michigan more than other places. But um, <laughs> so, so that is a frustration. There was a lot of concern. I mean, I think this was a gutsy thing that the Natural Resources Commission did when they, they asked the DNR to conduct this study. 
Um, it really was. And, you know, they were putting their necks out a little bit and pushing yeah. to do something that no, it was, it was different from what any other state had tried. It fit for Michigan because we are kind of unique. I mean, the same thing, you know, there, there's some similar states like Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, where I yep. think they could use this, these results and change the way they're managing their deer and, and, and have it be very positive. There's other states where they don't have the high densities of deer. They don't have the high densities of hunters and, you know, they, they've already got, you know, balanced age and sex ratios. So it's not, uh, not necessarily going to have the same impact, but for, for us, it makes a huge impact. Um, couple of frustrations here if, to tell the story um sure. we've we've been uh, you know asking because of the importance of these and knowing that the regulation was going to sunset that was the plan they was going to sunset but then the idea was the commission has always said well then we'll consider the results for the 2022 season <laughs> the uh, the uh, dnr um was very late in getting their harvest survey results. I we were asking month after month after month this year, uh, talking to commissioners about this, uh, the importance of those, and making their decisions for the 2022 deer regulations, and uh, we they just were not supplying them. And it does take time. I'm going to be uh, you know sure. what, what Michigan has had up until this year. Just for the folks that aren't from Michigan, is we do a harvest survey. So they yeah. send out paper surveys. You also, you can go online and, and enter your information. Uh, there's a great deal of statistical work that goes on and on there. And when that data is done, it's considered a kind of a gold standard. Um, I mean, it's very good data. The problem is it takes time. And, uh, they've been running into more issues uh, every year with getting appropriate numbers of people to, to fill out surveys. They, you know, take a little extra time to, you know, send them out one more time, try to get yeah. a few more people. And, um, <laughs> and so they were, they were behind. Um, I'm going to try not to go to the conspiracy <laughs> theory thing. Although sometimes you know, it's, I think maybe it's bureaucracy and, you know, folks not understanding the importance of it. Uh, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of factors, potentially in this that aren't necessarily a conspiracy yeah um and so but we didn't get them and um i'm waiting for those anxiously and i get a call on the saturday before the fourth of july uh, from uh, start getting calls and emails from hunters because the dnr has just published the 2022 regulations <laughs> regulations but no one in the state has seen the harvest survey results there was a just a preliminary very high level um, for the entire state, sort of, this is what we think the numbers are going to look like, kind of, sort of presentation in May of uh, this year to the Natural Resources Commission. But there was no data for the commission, for hunters, for stakeholders to uh, make any decisions on. And uh, it had not been supplied. And here's the deer regulations that are out. And uh, so I'm immediately uh, texting uh, the, the director of the DNR. Yeah. Uh, our deer and elk biologist, uh, the head of the NRC, turns out their Natural Resources Commission had not seen the results either and did not know our regulations were being sent out. And that's just wrong. They're, yeah, that seems... Uh, the, the Natural Resources Commission's res whole responsibility is, is regulating the methods of take and the seasons. And, um, you know, that's what they do is hunting regulations. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, um, but they had no data. And... Um, so I kind of raised a little bit of hell and we yeah. did, we did finally get, um, shortly thereafter the results from the, 
CWD core area. And um, I started plugging them into spreadsheets and taking a look at them and, and uh, you know, digesting them a bit yeah. and, and then sharing them. And, and so um, at that point, that was just before the Natural Resources Commission meeting that just took place. I was talking to commissioners ahead of time, telling them, hey, you know, this is not right. Some of them agreed with me. You need to, uh, you need to um, put this on the agenda for the, our August meeting because we have a process that they have a process where you have to have a for information so the public can comment so the NRC can, right or, or I'm sorry the DNR can provide their inputs there can be discussion and then you could make a decision at the September meeting uh, prior to all of our main deer seasons yep starting the primary season yep and uh, um, you know so that's what needs to happen and uh so I went to the commission meeting, uh, went uh, and uh, have my five minutes. I was restricted to five minutes. To <laughs> Did you use up your case. five minutes on this? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, had a, I had a buddy there with me who uh, up till this meeting, every other meeting I've been to, you could, uh, if you had multiple people there um, and they each signed up for five minutes, then you could combine time and I'd have 10 minutes. So I had a 10 minute speech I prepared. I rehearsed it with the stopwatch i love it rehearsed, rehearsed it on the drive so i could squeeze in all the key points we get there and they say oh no you can only talk for five minutes and uh, uh dan alfig my my uh, buddy from our capital city branch who was there uh just to help out and yeah. uh, i said dan you got to take half of this and uh <laughs> he got and, thrown and, right and, in <laughs> yeah and uh fortunately that part was typed up uh but still that's a lot to ask of somebody in in short notice but we we made it through. Um, it wasn't uh, quite uh, as fluent as we would have liked it to be, sure. but we, we we made it through. And then uh, there were zero. Uh, th there was no time really for any of the uh, other commissioners, including the ones that had told me they thought this was an issue they sh that should be brought up in the August agenda. The uh, chair of the commission just immediately looked me in the eye and said. Uh, and I can't remember his exact words because I was uh, I immediately started post-traumatic shock syndrome <laughs> at, that, at that point. But he said, no, we're not going, uh, you know, thank you very much, but we are not going to consider this for the 2022 season. And, uh, you know, but, uh, um, you know, thank you for appearing here today. No explanation. That was all. what I was going to say. What, what is the what, why? There has been no why. And that's uh, been a subsequent communication I've sent to the commission is asking why because it makes no sense they, there's um you know there's a 2023 that you know they've been a 2023 regulation cycle they try to do the major regulations every three years so yeah. um but at no point in the seven years that i've been doing this have they let you know um that three-year cycle get in the way of them changing regulations um hmm. you know with uh, when it comes to disease they change them all the time they'll They'll drop an APR at uh, at a heartbeat. They'll, uh, you know, they'll um, the uh, study itself didn't receive final approval until September of 2019. You know, it was right down to the wire. It was a frustration for us because we had to get the word out to hunters. Yeah, how do you um, do that and, real quick with just a couple of weeks uh, of advance warning? Um, so, uh, you know, they they will make decisions quickly, um, but they didn't in this case. They chose not to. Um, and, um, there's things going on in the background with, uh, you know, power struggles and things going on. Nobody will tell me what, uh, 
why this is that they are refusing to take this on right now, but it's incredibly frustrating. So I talked to you that afternoon as I was driving home. <laughs> you were hot. I, I was hot. And I literally, I was sitting there and uh, with uh, a clenched jaw the entire time. Found out later, I actually cracked a tooth in the back of my mouth. <laughs> I, I had a, uh, I had, uh, I've also got an infection. I got to have two teeth taken out next, uh, next week. Um, uh, worst See what headache, done. worst headache of my life. I thought it was a migraine they'd given me, but it was the, uh, yeah. it was something else. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not right. I've gotten our national involved in this where they're, they're trying to work with them. Um, I think we'll see a press release out here pretty quick about this. Um, it's just not under no sense. I mean, it's just not acceptable in a no. disease zone to go back to the failed regulations for a year. Now, right. um, there, there is one other piece of this. I do need to point out and make sure I'm being fair here from so my DNR friends, if they're listening, I want to be fair to them here. And that is this study can, it does, is going to continue, or at least the write-up of the study is going to continue. They've, as part of this, they did camera trap surveys. So they wanted to see how the age and sex ratios changed in the area. Um, so they'll have that data. There's also going to be computer modeling done uh, to see how the change in harvest ratios has affected um, you know, or may have had an impact on CWD management. So there's another part of this, that, and that's going to be a, a scientific paper that's going to be written up and available in 2023. But that doesn't change the doesn't fact. Help me right now. No, and it, yeah, it doesn't change the fact that what our the Natural Resources Commission is charged to use the best available data. And uh, what we were asking them to do is, is to make some changes for 2022, you know, yeah. leave it open, you know, let's see. Although, like I say, it's really hard for me to imagine a computer model that's going to say, you know, it's, it's better to kill a few more yearling bucks and keep this 0.82 ratio. You don't need and, a computer uh, model for that. But. No, you don't really need one. Um, it's, uh, we probably do need to harvest more does yet because we do have these high densities. And I guess it's another thing for folks to know that are listening. It comes as a surprise to a lot of hunters, but been a, a lot of good studies on this in an area with a healthy deer population, you've got to harvest about 30% of the antlerless deer every year, just to keep the population stable. Right. Um, <laughs> if, you know, if you're trying to grow the population, well, harvest less. If you're trying to, uh, you know, if you're trying to reduce it, you need to harvest more than 30%. So, yeah. um, you know, so this is just a, this is a nightmare. I, I mean, it's an absolute nightmare. Uh, and I live here. I live in Northeast Kent County, where actually we have, so it's a control county. It's only, CWD is only in the Northeast of it, but we had that back when we were doing enough yep. testing, which is another issue. Uh, back when we were doing enough testing to know our, the prevalence rates in some of the townships in Northeast Kent County were the highest of anywhere in the state. Um, yeah. Montcalm County's got it spread throughout the county, uh, but it didn't have the prevalence rates that were quite as high. Um, so you know, and that's a, yeah, it's just, so I, and I've got, um, my farm is in Northwest Ionia County. So, mm -hmm. um, and we've got it coming into our area. The closest one I'm aware of is just a couple miles away. So I'm sitting there watching a car crash. It's like yeah. a slow it's motion coming. car yep. crash. And, and I'm hollering to try to stop it. And, um, it doesn't, it seems like these bureaucratic wheels are in motion. 
And uh, it's not totally out of the picture yet. If any of your listeners, if you get this out, want to make a call to our Natural Resources Commission or send an email. I was just going to ask. Yeah, there, there is a, uh, you know, it's nrc at michigan.gov is the email address, nrc at michigan.gov. They need to hear from hunters. Uh, but this just isn't right. It's it's not, they're not doing their job. I mean, I'm added, the DNR should have had the results out earlier and they should have come with recommendations to the NRC. So they let us down. Uh, but ultimately the NRC had the opportunity and still does um, until that August meeting kicks off. Um, they've got the opportunity. To put we can that turn this together. around. Yeah, it's, I think it's, at this point, it's getting to be a long shot. I keep banging my head against the wall, yeah. but uh, um it's just not right. It's not okay. This is not acceptable um, for uh, to, to 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 ignore the results of this. And 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 the hunters are feeling a little bit betrayed here too, because there was a clear message: hit this goal. <laughs> you and, know, and, right? And we nailed and, it. And we nailed it. We beat it. And so, um, yeah, that's a problem. And and I will say one other thing for your viewers to know about the study. So I mentioned they liberalized antlerless harvest, but here's another thing they did. So 2019 was the last year we did enough testing. Yep. Say that part again. Yeah. yeah we, starting but in they shut down testing. And okay. In 2019, we were, we were stuck. We were testing quite a few 2020, they shut down testing and right. uh, something like 75% of hunters when surveyed said they didn't want to eat deer from a CWD area that wasn't tested. Well, you know, you're, you're not going to hunt there. Yeah, then you're not going to shoot does. Got seed, yeah, or uh, you're definitely not going to shoot does. I, I know there's a bunch of, of guys that are going to say, well, I'll go out and shoot a buck and I'll figure it out. You know, right, maybe exactly. If I'm worried enough, I might, th I might throw the meat out, but I'll go get that big buck, you know. Um, so it's the worst possible thing for antlerless harvest. So they threw that wrench in 2021 same thing just four days of gun season that you could bring in and get your deer tested um and and other than that you had to spend 45 bucks um, figure out how to carve lymph nodes out from under the jaw of your deer uh, yeah. send them in and you know so that also doesn't work if you want somebody to harvest multiple does but you're saying it's 45 bucks a pop um so those were huge barriers to success in yeah. this study and we still beat the, the ratio that they they uh, put in front of us there. So you mentioned a couple of things, and I know we're coming up on time here. First was to email um, the DNR and express your dissatisfaction with, with their decision. Uh, for, for people, again, this is for people who see this as a problem, see this as um, something we're not quite doing right. Uh, what was the email address again? It's actually in the Natural Resources Commission at this point. They're the only ones that can get it on the agenda. And so that is nrc at michigan.gov. That will then, you send that email, that will go to all of the commissioners. Yep. And uh, just let them know this isn't right. We expect them to do their, do their role, which is deer regulations and following the science, following the data. Um, and, uh, and do the right thing. All right. Besides that, so that's your civic duty, you know, right into your basically local congressman, which I did, even though he's not really related to any of this, but I expressed my dissatisfaction. I know I'm more buddies. So uh, what else can we do uh, in the meantime? So, you know, yeah. like you said, you write in, you try to get some, some movement in the, like the political side of things that the, the, I guess not really political, but you, you know what I'm saying? What else can people do to try to, 
to try to do just do something about this. We we still have to try to do the right thing. So whether regardless of what the regulations are, I say keep doing the same thing. Talk to your 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 buddies, your neighbors, um, and try to do the same thing regardless of what the regulation is. We're going to let little bucks go. We're going to try try to harvest more does. The National Deer Association, I'll give us a little credit here. I talk about the advocacy we do. We got testing for this year now. So for 2022, there's going to be drop boxes in every CWD county. We did that through Tom Albert, who is our yep. uh, local uh, house representative. And uh, he got that in the budget for 2022 and 2023. So kudos to him. If you're going to thank somebody, he did it. Um, and there's also going to be a free testing provided by the DNR if you do want to carve the lymph nodes out. So we did that. That was what the NDA did advocating for hunters in this area. Um, but just try to do the right thing. Let, you know, let the little bucks go, shoot at the appropriate numbers of does, um, you know, pretend there's still an APR in place. Um, you know, and one little evil part of me kind of hopes that the, the uh, doe harvest crashes, but we really can't. We, <laughs> we, we got to sure. try to we we got to try to do the right thing. So that's uh, uh, my encouragement to everybody um, to do that and uh, do the right thing for your area because you really don't want this disease. We don't want it getting like parts of Wisconsin where 25, 30, 40 percent of the bucks are. Uh, are infected and um, deer are literally dying <laughs> in sight. It's, it's a mess. So we don't need that. You know, it's a slow spreading disease. I've got to say that optimistic piece about this, but we want to slow it down as much as we can. Yeah. 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 All right, Eric. Well, thank you for, for taking the time for explaining what's going on here in Michigan. It's something near and dear to our hearts uh, being fellow Michiganders, but it's something that a lot of uh, states in the country have to deal with and think about um, and, and kind of figure out what's what's right for the area. So for people who maybe are listening, uh, might have questions for you, uh, maybe more and want more information about the science behind it, the studies, what they found, specific numbers, whatever else, or just to ask you a question, how can they get a hold of you? Well, I'll give you a couple of different things here. But first of all, my phone number, uh, 616-745. 5162. That's my cell phone. Um, and uh, there's also an Eric, E-R-I-K dot S-C-H-N-E-L-L-E at M-I-Q-D-M-A dot com uh, email address. And so that's my uh, official NDA. I haven't changed it over to NDA, but that's yeah, my that's official, official NDA uh, email box. So I can, we can work that way. Um, we've also got a Facebook page. It's the, the M-I- National Deer Association. You can look us up. Uh, you can follow us, like us. And I'm trying to keep everybody up to date on uh, our communications, the numbers behind it. It's a, it's a great thing to follow. I think, frankly, if you're in another state, especially one similar like Pennsylvania, where they've got APRs, Wisconsin, where they don't, or there's high densities, I think these are these are areas of big area debate. And I think this, this particular study sheds a lot of light um, on a, on a another tool, not a panacea, but another tool that should be used if we're serious about fighting chronic wasting disease. Yeah. Well, Eric, thank you very much for sharing your expertise, your insights, um, your opinions uh, on some of this. And we uh, look forward to seeing what you guys can do, what, what the state of Michigan does with this and, and how it pans out. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, James. I appreciate it. Hey, everybody. Thanks 
for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to go on to any kind of social media platform, give us a like, share, subscribe. You know, it really help us out. Keeps the train rolling. And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a five-star Either star way, if, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like review. it, five stars. That'd helps cool. everyone out. We'll see you out there.